0: Welcome to another fun-packed, thrill-filled edition of Nice Things. Nice Things? The antidote to modern living. And joining me, Sir Michael Livesley, this week we have... My name is Paul Carmichael and I am unanimous in that. You are unanimous in that? I'm unanimous Uh, in that. Yes, yes, yes. So why are you unanimous? Well, I think
1: probably just because I was watching a spot of Are You Being Served the other day. Oh, are And Yeah. A touch of the Mrs. Slocum's has come over me. As, as John Inman may very well have said or something. Is, is that what Do she says it. in that? I am unanimous in that. Every single thing that she says, she says, uh, I think this and I am unanimous in that.
0: Love it. Right. You see, I always thought of that as something, and I'm quite correct in that. It's a. It, I think that, you know, if, if Protestant sitcom were to be defined, mm. it would be, are you being served? Really? Yes. Super, super proddy type viewing. Why? No, that's it. Right. Why? Okay, because it's very much based in the world of retail. Right. A world, a world uh, to which the doors were firmly bolted shut to me and my ilk. Um, so, you know, I remember there was a Marks and Sorry, Spen- you didn't use shops. Yes, we used shops, but not posh ones like that. Oh, okay, not a department store. Oh, God, no. I, I oh, don't even okay. know if there was a department store in my nearest town of St. Helens. I'm unsure, I think I would have had to go to Liverpool for that You see, for you, you were close to Lewis's Is there a Duns? Yes. or was there a Dunn's? I remember the Blacklers I particularly liked They were wonderful Right, so you've oh, got yeah. that association, haven't you? That's your John world John Lewis, yes That's absolutely. your world, yeah, yeah You see, for me, I have none of that familiarity We had Dingsdale's and, uh, and David Shaw's Paper Shop <coughs> But does that automatically make it sort of Protestant? Why is that? Uh, because uh, Protestants had lots of money in my head. Oh,
1: okay, right. Well, hang on then. So, let's take a, a, a classic ITV uh, piece then. Would you say that Nearest and Dearest with Baker is
0: that a particularly Catholic sitcom? Yes. Yes. There are allusions in it to Catholic themes, aren't there, in Nearest and Dearest? Go on. Okay, so there's, there's episodes in which they say about not eating meat on Fridays. Yes. So there's things like that in it. So you can see there's a rich vein runs through it, pal. Mm. Um, whereas what you watch with You Being Served has a rich blue vein running through it. <laughs> what about Heidi High then? Where does Heidi High say? Heidi High's fine. Why? Because I, um, a lad at school used to go to Butlins in Pethely. So that was all right. Those doors were open to us, and it was all sort of like I, we all, you know, people like me associate with Ted Bovis. Oh, okay, know yeah, that's fair enough. Common people, you see. Whereas, yeah, very common. Are you being served the the sort of the Missus Slocum character, for example, is a sort of um, a kind of proto Missus Bouquet, isn't she?
1: Well yes, she is, but she's very much all fur coat and no knickers. I mean you've got that lovely she is common as muck when she lets the accent slip. But she does that thing. Did you did your nan or anyone have a phone voice? We didn't have a phone.
0: I knew you were going to say that. Really? Yeah, we got a phone. <laughs> we got a phone when I was 17 and the man they called Barry when we moved to Witness so we got, we ended up with a phone by then and Minan that used to put a, one of the dining chairs in the hallway and it was an occasion when she spoke to her uh, sister Bessie in Shrewsbury. Wow. Yeah, oh, I. Yeah, oh, I mean, fair enough. I mean, the thing is, my mum did have a telephone voice though, because she worked in Woolworth's offices in Liverpool in the late sixties. Really? Yeah, so she used to do this kind of voice every time every now and then. I remember I remember one word of it which was she used to say great as great. And that used to grate on my nerves. Yes. Because but I, was I fully approve propushed. of her working for Woolworths. Yeah, Wonderful. she worked in the offices though, yeah. She had a, she had a thin slither of life. In between um, leaving school and me turning up.
1: Yes. No, I approve of that. You know, we've, We're getting a bookshop in the village, which I'm rather excited about. Ooh. We're just a WH Smiths away from being able to declare independence now, I think.
0: I mean, what more do you need? Well, quite. Yes, yes. Yeah. So it's, it's going to be a private book chain. Well, it's just a book. Yes, it's just a bookshop. Nice. Yeah, nice. there used to be one in St. Ellen's called Wardleworth's, which I quite liked. I don't think it's yeah. still there. But the, oh. those shops are sort of like... You know the way people use Clark's, the shoe shop? They'll go in there and get fitted and find out what size the kid wants and then go to Tesco and buy them. No. Uh, private bookshops tend to be like that. You go in there and you see someone. Oh, I didn't know that was out. And you go home and buy it on Amazon. There is a bit of that. I'm going to well, try not to, that. Good. A little bit. You shouldn't. I'm,
1: g- I'm going to try and avoid that and actually use it. So, you know, in my mind, yeah. bookshops are like... Do you remember after Henry prunella scales just about yes 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 that's the sort of bookshop that she worked in i think you know it's a mixture of obscure nonsense and rare first editions and that sort of thing that's how i'm envisaging
0: the good it. if and they're s- run by someone loaded and it doesn't mean if it matter if it makes money that's what i'm really hoping for yeah. what we need is someone with an
1: unlimited amount of cash to waste on it
0: yeah that's what you want that's what you want the oh, waterworths yeah. in st Allen's. i used to go in there regularly and um we were talking about where I'm from, Haydock, once, and he said, "Oh, my father wrote the uh, a complete history of Haydock," and he showed me this big, thick manuscript, and he said, "No one will publish it." And I was like, "Oh my god!" I do often wonder where that's gone. Blimey! Yeah, but back to um, after after Henry being a, after Henry after Henry being a Sunday night LWT sitcom. Uh, Are you being served? I believe was a Sunday night BBC sitcom, wasn't it? One of those seven fifteen PM jobs. No, do you know what? It wasn't. It was midweek. It was Monday, was really? Tuesday. Was it repeated yeah. on Sundays?
1: I don't think so, no. It's cause it, it was on so often, of course. Repeats were pretty much unheard of. You'd never got a complete sort of like a run of are you being served between seasons because it was on for a quarter of the year anyway. Oh, so it was a thirteen.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you yeah. wouldn't
1: have had that so much, I don't think. But of course you just have more
0: sitcoms, so you didn't need to
1: fill up the uh, But it was one uh, of those
0: sitcoms the... that that's very sort of rooted in that uh, sort of um, monarchist mindset, isn't it? It's it's very much, you know. Oh, I was saying to the vicar, and it's kind of like, you know, um, oh, you, you know, Missus Slocum was obviously analogous to the Queen, you know, well, Elizabeth. Yeah, I mean, it establishes a hierarchy,
1: doesn't yeah. it? Of um, uh, you know, you've got young Mister Grace at the top, Harold Bennett managing his line each week, yeah, and then you sort of like work down to Trevor Bannister. Yes, or, or Arthur English, um, someone like that below them. So you did, you did
0: have that that hierarchical structure. You're right. Oh, it worked. It was a it was a very successful. So I mean, so did Mike Berry replace Trevor Bannister? Oh,
1: yes, others? he did. I mean, yeah. there were a fair few sort of uh, changes, weren't there? I mean, the the main one that we've discussed before is, of course, James Hater who was the voice of Mr. Kipling, yeah. who um, was offered a massive amount of money to not be in Are You Being Served? And he went, "Oh, I think I'll do yeah, that. Yeah. And he lived in France <clears throat> and had a lovely time. Um So, but he left. You got Alfie Bass for two series. Alfie Bass. Which was oh, Love Alfie Bass. Love, love a bit of Alfie,
0: Alfie Bass. Bass. Yes. Uh, so
1: you got him for two series. Then there were a couple of other people who just didn't last at all. There was someone... Oh god the only thing i can remember about his character was he was jewish and the, that was the big thing they made something of and it was like oh really no, this doesn't yeah That's, he was that, i think i've seen
0: that on a clip show or something yeah yeah,
1: yeah. i mean it's a series
0: isn't it, mm. it it's kind it's... of dated quite I don't know why, but I would bracket it with some mothers do have them in terms of things that aren't really mainstream. You know, the way Dad's Army has endured and the yes. way uh, that certain sitcoms have endured. But it's kind of in that some. Not some mothers do have them. It ain't half Mum. It's yes. kind of in that bracket. Whereas I can understand with it ain't half which I disagree with, uh, mm-hmm. because Michael Bates, as we've discussed before, was a fluent Urdu speaker and, um, you know. Um, an officer in the Indian Army and stuff like that. Um, mm. So I do disagree with the reasons why it's not shown. But "Are You Being Served?" seems to have, have fallen into some trap. Maybe because of the gay stereotypes with John Inman. I don't know.
1: I suspect. I mean, that's the only thing you can really put it down to, isn't it? Mm. The fact that you've got the gay stereotypes, but you do also have. I mean, the the dialogue is is risque. And the lovely thing about it is, of course, that you can watch these things now and many people go, oh, they didn't know what they were saying. Well, of course they did. It's a bit Mm. like when you listen to Round the Horn and you get those lovely moments of just pure filth and, oh, they didn't know. Yes, they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with Are You Being Served, when you get the whole thing of, oh, I'm sorry, I've got to get home early and give my pussy some attention and the audience are, killing themselves, laughing, into a modern mindset. The amount of people on those damn clip shows who I've heard saying this thing
0: about, oh, well, they, they didn't really get what it meant. Yes, they did. I didn't know Molly's that, I didn't know oh, that yeah. term in the 70s, or the 80s, obviously. Well, probably not in the 90s, knowing me. But I didn't know that that was the sort of uh, nomenclature, uh, really. I mean, oh, sorry, I did know because Filthy Rich and Catflap took the piss right. out of it. So I must have known.
1: Yeah. <coughs> they, um, so that you know, you've got that. I think that what we've got now is that would not be allowed to be broadcast.
0: No, that's no. the
1: trouble. You know that that'll be one of the many words because, of course, there's a list of words that you can and can't say. Okay. Yeah, there are, um, there aren't there? Which is which is all <clears throat> such an interesting thing. You know, and the top one seems to change every couple of years as to what's the most offensive word. Um, and, and blasphemy will change places and that will become higher in the charts and all right. that sort of
0: thing as to as to what the, what the national mood is. Well, this leads us, this is almost professional, this leads us quite neatly into uh, a conversation that we've had for the past couple of days uh, with censorship and um, what's the word, I suppose, trigger warnings. Uh, things like that. So I'm going to do something. We're getting all high-tech here, guys. I'm going to share my screen, therefore. This is something that has particularly irked um, the man who is unanimous. Oh, are we not ready yet? I should just say... Are you going to give a trigger warning?
1: uh, Well, I've not read this poster fully.
0: I I, I want to make that quite clear.
1: What happened is you sent it me on WhatsApp, and I saw enough at a glance to know that I was angered to the point that I didn't want to read it.
0: Right. So, well, you're going to read well we're all going to read it together. Okay? So That's well, nice for the boys and girls. Can we see it? it? Yes. Oh. My all god. right. Okay. So then, why don't you well, you're the Shakespearean scholar. Why don't you tell us about this? The poster says
1: <clears throat> Richard the Third Oh god. Contains scenes of death violence and threat well it, it, it does now, if you don't
0: set amongst the well, war of the roses it is yeah contained a fair amount of death violence and threat i would have thought. <laughs> an awful lot of death violence and threat you know you've got
1: this you've got a beautiful scene in there where one of richard's victims widows is crying over the coffin in the street and he just goes up to her and he just makes a play for her on the coffin trying to shag her you know i mean this is a, it's a beautiful piece of work. Of course it's got death, violence and of threat course. in. We can go okay. with that.
0: right? Okay. This production
1: so... uses latex balloons, one of which is popped on stage. For more information, please speak to a member of staff. Now then. Okay. <sighs> right. Should we talk about this? Let's talk about this. and And this will lead us into something else as well, actually. Now then... This production uses latex balloons, one of which is popped on stage. I have no doubt that there will be people who are affected by the popping of a balloon on stage. I have no doubt that that's the case. But then again, I'm, I'm triggered by certain things. For example, if you are ever around me and you're eating a bowl of cereal and you start knocking the spoon against the side, I will want you dead. Yes. I can't, I can't cope with that. It's that sound. I don't know what it is, but that angers me. Do I need to be informed if that is going to feature in an episode of EastEnders, which is where they eat cereal, probably? Do I need to know that, just so I can avoid it? The only way, the only way to make people like this happy... What you've got, though, as well, think about it, you've got this lovely idea. Richard the Third, brilliant play, with latex balloons. Straight away, I think, well, there's some. there's a director... <clears throat> who has come up with something. He's come up with a concept. And I'll bet you it's to make it all lively and like a party or something. And then there'll be that bang, which will punctuate it. And it'll yeah. lead to Richard turning round and delivering one of his asides or something like that. What they've just done is basically ruined it. Right? I yeah, get some yeah. people... But I get some people could be sort of offended by that. But what happens now? What happens now is you just sit there for the whole production looking at the balloons, going, They're gonna pop one of those soon. They're gonna yeah. pop Yeah That's all that you do. You stop focusing on the on the actual thing that you're watching and you focus on which one are they going to burst. Yeah. I, no.
0: Yeah. 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 No. Yeah, yeah.
1: Absolutely not. Yeah, that's think,
0: even if you're not triggered, it's ruined it, like you say. It has and that's you know whenever I direct something I basically
1: threaten the cast I say you mustn't discuss what we are going to do outside of here because yeah. one year somebody did when I was doing the revengers tragedy and I thought I'm going to crucify somebody on stage and I said just don't mention it outside of here and the next day someone said you're doing a crucifixion So, said right so I took oh, it wow. out like, absolutely yeah, not. Yeah, quite, no, right do it then. Um, quite right too quite right too <clears throat> but of course, then they just uh, everyone would have sat there, waiting for the crucifixion that didn't even happen. Yeah, it it annoys me this sort of thing, and it's this it's the thing of self, isn't it? That I am so important. Yeah. that everybody else watching this play needs that little moment ruined. Yeah, I don't, I can't accept that from an artistic point of view. I can't accept it.
0: I must God. say, um you you and Strongarm are being quite restrained in the in your opprobrium of, of this. I, I expected an explosion. Maybe I was expecting the balloon to be popped. I'm I, I don't know, I'm just I, I think I'm getting to a point now where I'm thinking this is becoming parody. Yeah.
1: This really is becoming parody. It's a bit like that other thing that I sent you with one of the creators of Friends. Yes. Who's made a four million dollar donation to apologise for the whiteness of Friends. It's mm. embarrassing. Friends started, twenty, I think, 26 years ago. The 90, idea 90s. that we, we made a show over a quarter of a century ago, but we didn't do things according to contemporaneous sensibilities. We weren't thinking about you, who's not been born yet, and what yeah. you'll be interested in. We weren't thinking about you when we did this thing a quarter of a century ago. That, But we must make up for it.
0: What? Why? What? I don't know. Well, first of all, I think charitable donations are tax deductible. So you've got that that comes into it. Secondly, oh the creator is probably currently working on projects that need some profile. Uh, and so she's got some virtue points out of it. Uh, that will give us social credit with her, you know, the Hollywood circle, I suppose. and um, And so... It's just, to be quite honest with you, it, for me, it's like, you know, all right, well, where's the money going? First of all, you need to look at that and then mm. suss it out how much of it actually reaches the people that you're attempting to make uh, reparations to. I think it'd be more effective if she just ordered all copies of that shit show to be destroyed. And while they're about it, you know, throw in this life for good measure. Why not? Um, You know, I I think that they should apologise for this life. I'm still waiting for the apology for it.
1: I Um, I think that maybe what you should consider is this life was, you know, largely written by one writer, the first series, Amy Jenkins, very good. Whereas Friends, if you count up... mm. The writing team. How many writers do you think each episode has in total? 30 maybe. 44. Good God. 44 writers for a programme that runs for 22 minutes. And it's still shit. And it's still shit? How can you do that? If you're responsible for 30 seconds of anything, heart surgery, if I had to take over for 30 seconds, I reckon I could do it and not kill the person. Literally 30 seconds. You'd just be threading the needle. Well,
0: exactly. Yeah. Sounds like a euphemism to me. Mm. But yes. Well, it's a strange thing, isn't it? Because we live in these times. Now, the popularity of Top Gun Maverick has shown that people just don't they want the the the, the big thrills and adv- they don't want this political rhetoric rammed down the throats with every time. You know that the idea when you put oh good to see a movie, or good to see a play, or whatever it may be, is that you escape from all this shit for some time, right? You 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 hand over your consciousness to, you know, a director and some actors, or whoever it may be. You're handing it over to professionals who say, trust me, I will entertain you. And the popularity of Top Gun Maverick has proven that and it's making the Hollywood studios think because you've got Netflix who are down 200,000 subscribers since the start of the year. They um, they're now having to put adverts in. Um, It's this whole go woke, go broke thing, isn't it? Now, Mm. I think we're definitely seeing a backlash against all this stuff. You've got, uh, I think he's called Bob Backish or Bakish, who's the controller of Paramount Plus, which is uh, a US sort of on-demand thing, you know, Mm. Um, who's refusing to put any kind of content warnings or edit any old movies or anything like that. His whole stance is, uh, I refuse to edit art. So... As a result, Paramount Plus has seen it going through the roof, the subscriber base. Um, But I I think that... Don't talking pictures give us trigger warnings and things? Well, talking pictures, all
1: that they do is they do have a little caption card that comes up which will say, um, this programme was made... Something like, you know, it reflects the sensibilities of the time, Mm. is what they say. But that's it. They don't make a big thing of it. They don't edit it. We just get that caption, and then you're into the film. But
0: how different is that to the Richard III poster, in in terms of the well it's drinking from? But
1: in Well, basically what they do is they use the same caption for every single thing, whether it's Miss Marple or whether it's one of our dinosaurs is missing. It doesn't matter. It's the same caption. So Miss Marple don't...
0: needs a caption?
1: Well, terrible racist, wasn't she? But no, I mean, just as an example, you know, it's that whole thing, but they don't sort of say... This, uh, this this program uh, contains a scene in which Mar- Miss Marple hits somebody of Chinese origin because she thinks it's funny. it doesn't tell you what's going to happen no, that's the that's point a, that's you can say point. to people you can say you know what you could do and it's the simplest thing and we used to do this when I used to tour back in the 90s I used to do murder mysteries and we were firing guns all the time and all that we put on the poster was it just says uh, warning this show contains loud bang effects but it was quite small. But then yeah. you've covered your back. But obviously, if someone comes in, and we did this once, someone came in and she was obviously quite heavily pregnant. Under those circumstances, you just take that person and you say, Listen, we're going to shoot a gun. Just don't let your water spray, love. That sort of thing. Yeah. That's all that you have to do. You just have to, but you, you mustn't treat everybody like this. You, you can't do it. You can't just treat an entire audience of people according to one person's sensibilities. Well, of course. I mean, the, the thing Otherwise, is... you have to treat... you. Otherwise, you have to do it for the sensibilities of every single person in that room. And yeah. if you do that, everyone will be upset or triggered by something. Someone will Absolutely. go, oh, I don't like the word the. Does anyone use the word the? Take those up. There'll be something that triggers
0: everyone. And what you end up with then is a big empty room
1: and someone will be triggered by
0: it. Yeah, and it's proving to be non-profitable that's what yes. the that's what the studios are discovering because it's being driven by a tiny minority of people on twitter and
1: things like that but they are vocal they they are a vocal tiny minority mm. tiny minorities really because they sit all over the political spectrum all getting cross, all getting upset about this, that, or the other. And because they follow people who, who like the same things as them, they think, oh, brilliant, so everyone thinks like me. And I think that Netflix and things like that have misunderstood Twitter as being representative
0: of the vast majority yeah. of people. And it bloody well, isn't <clears throat> it? Well, Netflix have sacked a whole Hundreds. team uh, mm. of people uh, who objected to the removal of content. You know, because it was just like, this stuff isn't working. No one's watching it. Um, th- there's been a great um, incident in the last week. Have you followed any of that with Halifax? Was this to do with Howard from Halifax? Howard featured in it. So, so originally it started off, I believe it was a member of staff called Gemma. Hmm. Um, and it was her name badge. Um, and on it, it said she, her, hers or something like that. So they were saying something about, you know, we've listened and we know we know our customers want us to do this or something like that. Uh, Cue a huge backlash on Twitter about it. Um, And then there were people complaining. So one of the web team went on. And he said, "Oh well, this is we're 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 inclusion or whatever the bloody buzzword is. I can't remember what it was. You know, we're doing this, we're doing that. We're you know, this is this is let's face it, a multinational corporation who doesn't give a fuck about people because it's no longer it's no the Halifax is no longer a, a bunch of people in flat caps in Yorkshire somewhere who are lending each other money sort of Henry style in It's mm. a Wonderful Life to buy their houses. You know, obviously that's where a building society that was the ethos of it. You know." Well, we're gonna we're gonna do away with banks, you know. Maybe there was a rash of it because there was the Leeds as well, wasn't there? So maybe it Yorkshiremen was. were like, you know, we're very thrifty. We're not going to give banks our money. So who knows? <laughs> anyway, that was the sort of philosophy behind uh, the formation of building societies. But now they're just part of Lloyd's TSB. So do me a fucking favour. Like you give a fuck. You just want to signal your virtue to, as you say, this tiny minority on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Quote one of the web team coming on. And saying, "Well, if you don't like it, I suggest you all close your accounts." Not a sound business move, as um, I can I think it was the Guardian described it as the Ratner moment. Oh, well, Gerald um, Ratner, with yeah, his crap. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cue thousands and thousands of people changing, withdrawing the money. Yeah, and the share price, like Netflix's share price, because that's the only bit they give a shit about. The actual bottom line. Um, Cue the tumbling of the share price. So it's kind of like, you know, I bet that web team uh, member, um, I bet he's no longer in work. Um, I don't think so. But the bottom line here is, it's again, it's this cynical marketing thing whereby corporations drape themselves in virtue um, in order to present themselves as something they're quite obviously not, you know. Um, And the more these decisions have, Real-world mercantile consequences. Um, I think you're going to see the tide turning. I suspect you are. Yeah, I really do think that you will. I mean,
1: I am. I'm personally. I mean, I am. I am a, a very liberal person, and always have been in the majority of things. But I, I can't stomach being told that I have to cur.
0: Well, right? that's that. I, but when did liberalism res- stray into censorship? When well, did this liberalism,
1: is, you know. This is the issue. When did that happen? All of a sudden, it's like, liberalism to me is about that, that freedom. Freedom of expression, freedom mm-hmm. of thought, freedom of art, freedom of knowledge. We've got that freedom. We don't have mm-hmm. to be constrained. But now I do. But I've got to think not about the greater good, but I've got to think about individual people's sensibilities.
0: Mm. I, I can't do that. Well, you could drive yourself mad trying. I mean, John Cleese did a great thing about offence, no. and um, I, I don't know where I couldn't fi- I couldn't find it now. I'm not that clever, but he does a great thing about you know I'm offended by this and how it's impossible, impossible to please these people. Yeah, it
1: was. Um, he was talking about. He gave the example.
0: Oh, you've gone, dear. Oh, what a shame. Where's he going? Well, Mr Carmichael appears to uh, have dropped off the radar a little bit. He's unanimous in his not being here. Anyway, yes, where so, did you um, go, dear man?
1: Oh, well, that's the joys of <laughs> Sky Internet, isn't it? Sky. Believe in inter- Yes. Sky you wouldn't have had this if we'd have had British Satellite Broadcasting Internet. Wouldn't have had that at all. Ah, we'd have you'd have
0: had Square Internet,
1: would you? We'd have had square internet through squirrels I love, to, love me square But um, anyway, no, you were asking about John Cleese. Um, yeah. And what Cleese said was he gave the example of, um, you can sit down and watch a Tom and Jerry cartoon, and they're full of violence. And mm. you watch the mouse, and the mouse picks up a saucepan, and it whacks the cat in the face, and there'll always be one person who says, oh, dear, I hope the cat's all right. Yeah. Now... God, I think I heard him say that back in about 1995 or something right. and it sat with me that long. That's what we're dealing with at the moment, isn't it? We've got yeah. to try and take into account everybody's into it. and you can't. The only way to take into account everybody's sensibilities when it comes to creating pieces of work is to not create something because everybody will be upset by something. and it's its job. Our job yeah. is to trigger our job is to trigger emotional responses when we're yeah. making theater. Apparently not.
0: Apparently not. This is the modern world, as uh, I think the jam sang. Um, <clears
1: <clears throat> however, throat> yes. however, talking talking of um, balloons popping on stage and things like that, it's very yes. contemporary, isn't it? And um, sad news as we as yes. we came
0: to her is that um, we've lost Peter Brook. Peter Brook, the fantastically wonderful, amazing. What a life! What a wonderful. life! What a career! A remarkable career. And, you wouldn't have had a Peter Brook if you'd have had uh, this uh, you can't offend people. Oh, you would not. Absolutely
1: not. Peter Brook is probably, from a sort of the perspective of, of directing theatre, mm. I think his book, The Empty Space, I think is, mm. is the, really the only book that's ever been of any value to me at all. Mm. Um, and I like the fact now, I didn't when I first read it now as a student, but I like the fact now that The Empty Space is commissioned by Granada Television.
0: Ah, well, there you go, you see.
1: Commissioned four lectures, which he gave, and then that became the book. And yeah, lovely, spot-on director. And he's the person, I think, who appealed to me with with Shakespeare, who really got it into my head. And he did it with Hamlet, right? Because I only knew Hamlet, first of all, when I did A-Level. I think I knew it from the BBC version, which is Derek Jacobi. Being Derek Jacobi, starring as Derek Jacobi. That's it. It's Derek Jacobi and eyeliner. Yeah, and and he's brilliant at that. I would never knock him. But if I'm going to watch Derek Jacobi in something, I know I'm going to watch Derek Jacobi. And th- that's all I can really remember is it was Derek Jacobi. I remember Lala Ward was in it as Ophelia, and she yeah. was wonderful, um, singing her lines during the madness scenes. That was quite encapsulated. But the rest of it. It was just sort of like people doing Shakespeare in Mm. the voice. And that did nothing for me at all. Then I saw Branner's Hamlet, and that was huge and spectacular. And I thought, right, okay, so Hamlet could be like that then and make it spectacular on stage. But then I saw Peter Brooks' Hamlet. You didn't see Mel Gibson's? Did, actually, yes. Any good? Don't want to watch it again.
0: Right, right. And this is annoying because I like Braveheart. You do? Do you like Lethal Weapon? Absolutely not.
1: No. no, why don't you like Lethal Weapon? Because that's you? just men shouting with guns. You like men head. shouting? Over a boardroom table? If one of them's Roy Marston and the other one's Patrick Weimark and they're shouting at each other about yes, it, that would be...
0: oh Well, maybe oh. you have Danny Glover and Mel Gibson running a, a haulage firm.
1: Who's in, Danny uh, Glover?
0: He's the other guy in the Lethal Weapon films. Films oh, why? Yeah, Yeah, they're making a new one now. Oh no, right, is this the one with
1: Bruce, Bruce, not Bruce Lee? Willis. Willis, Bruce Willis.
0: The Die Hard. Which
1: one's... And this is... Lethal Weapon. It's all penises, isn't it? No. It is, it's all penis related. Die Hard, Lethal Weapon. This is all it is, it's just metaphorical. uh, Die Hard could be a Welsh boxer. It could, or it could be referring to, you know, when you used to
0: hang a man, you'd get an immediate hard-on. That's true, yes, yes. Well, who knows if it's true? I mean, that's where the myth of the mandrake comes from, doesn't it?
1: Oh, no, 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 it's true. It's true. Oh, yes, there's there's lots of writings about it, and there's a lovely line in uh, Filthy Rich and Catflap. Yeah, filthy. Do you know when you're hung? The last thing that happens. Yes, Eddie, I know. Thank you. First one I've had in thirty years, and I can't enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Oh no, yeah. it's completely true. That's why you refer to people who are who are notably endowed as being well hung. It, it, it's a completely oh, factual well, there thing. There
0: you go. You say it. There a you fact. go. It's a fact. Facts with strong arms. Fact of
1: the. There wig. you go. However, oh, no, what you've now got, you've got Die Hard. You've got Lethal Weapon. There's going to be something called Death Cock Four. No it doubt. Is. All of these things, they are just... It's just that's the whole American obsession with guns. It's all penis con I've just thought concern. of another name for a Welsh boxer.
0: Yeah? Sugar Diabetes. <laughs> there you go, that'll do Yeah. That's um, good. I like that right. one. Right, Mel, no good as Hamlet. Jacoby, far too pretty with eyeliner. Um, Branagh, far too Branner. Um Peter Brooke.
1: Adrian Lester. Adrian Lester in Brook's version. Where Brook had this set that was red everything was red and it was a really simplistic set with just dotted around, you'd get chairs and things like that where you needed them to be. And then it was just a question of playing with lighting levels to give this intensity. But the fact that he had the balls to put it on in a red space, love love red within Mm. a space, to do that, it's such an assault on the senses. It says everything, all the stereotypes, love, blood, they're all right there. Yeah. And he's like, no, I have that. You're having that. But then he strips it back and he focuses on the performances. And there was a lovely thing I was reading that he did as a director, which is he wouldn't go in there and correct you. He'd say, when you were acting, he'd say, try having another thought. So you'd yeah. think, all right, well, if I'm not thinking like this, what if I think like that? And it changes everything. And that was how he would guide you.
0: I'm stunning. Stunning director. I think that it's, it's that old psychotherapy thing. It's the real one of psychotherapy. If something triggers you to borrow the modern parlance, um, if you find something challenging, then you need to embrace it. Uh, and the way you've described Peter Brooks Hamlet is the actors were forced to embrace all the most visceral emotions, uh, especially whilst being surrounded by red, being encapsulated in red. Oh, well, absolutely! You know. It's beautiful, and
1: I think that the thought processes of the actors are so clear that you can't, you can't confuse sort of the motivations of the characters. It's and it's not making a big thing of Lester. You know, Lester's playing him this time. It's about no. Let's look at the character. Mm. I think mean, that that's where Brooke was superb. He would look. He would deep delve in on characters, whether it's Shakespeare or contemporary. Didn't matter. He would do that. Um, and it's, yeah, so it's it's a bloody shame that we've lost people who would do that. Because these days, of course, if you're going to do Hamlet, you've got to make sure you've got your David Tennant or your Benedict oh. Cumberbatch or, or that other one who people like from Sherlock. I can never remember his name, but he talks really quickly. Oh, he Martin, did Hamlet.
0: Martin James. No, Jarvis. not Martin
1: Freeman. He played no. Moriarty in the new oh, Sherlock. Oh, Mark Gaitis. No, no, no. Oh, no, he, he played uh, my Yes, Anyway, whoever it is. And him. he did a lot of stuff with his hands. Floating Daniel's his hands Summer around Rumble. playing Hamlet. Just, I don't know, an awful human yeah. being. Awful. Awful. Because so you've, got, you've got him, you've got Cumberbatch being Cumberbatch. And then the yeah. worst offender is, of course, you've got Tennant, where you've got Patrick Stewart being lovely, Patrick Stewart, um, playing Claudius. And at the end of it, when he's forced to take the drink of poison, he just gives it a little shrug. He goes, and and gives it a shrug, and then he drinks it. And I was thinking, well, what's that about? And there was an interview, a behind-the-scenes thing, and Stuart's there going, now then, some of you may have seen that I gave a little shrug. You might think you know what it means. Maybe you do. Maybe you don't. I'm not telling you. Now, Brooke would not have settled for that. Right. Brooke would have said, no, let's actually... What's the thought? Why are you doing yeah. it? What's the point? Play it properly. Don't be pretentious. Anyway, well, so I like people The process is the
0: joy of it. I mean, that's the joy of acting, oh, yes. isn't it? It's kind of like, it I is. haven't thought about my bullshit for the last hour. You know when you're when you're performing or when you're rehearsing, especially when you're rehearsing, because that's that's when you get to really escape. And and Mm. and that's the thing that people don't understand. I don't. Well, maybe they do. I mean, but I I don't think that it's maybe considered too often that the actors are running away as well. It's not just the audience who are in there to, you know, run away from their bullshit for an hour or two hours. You know, we are we are at it too. You oh, know. absolutely
1: but what you've then got of course if we consider what we were talking about just before is you've got an audience who can't run away from their bullshit if it's going to be acknowledged on stage and they're absolutely. going to be told we've got a bit of your bullshit in this one exactly do you want to, yeah
0: do you yeah. want me to calm you down no well it's the very foundation of the theatrical enterprise isn't it you know what i mean it's kind of we all collude in the illusion mm. um you know, to whatever degree you want to put it at, you know, the audience are pretend, we are pretending the audience aren't there. And and many times you completely forget they're there. And I love those moments. They're, they're the best bits, really, you know what I mean? And you sort of, all of a sudden, you you come back to consciousness and you're like, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm actually in public in front of people here. Yeah. You know, and it's it's great because they have gone on that journey with you and they've completely, it's almost like a, a transcendence of self. Well, it is a transcendence of self for the actor, Mm. but for the audience, there's that transportation, isn't there? It's just like, Christ, I was, I was there, you know, you you know, I was with that person. I love it when you have, you go and see a play and they've got a couple of plastic chairs. Um, I'm trying to remember a glass mountain, for example, I went to see glass Mm. mountain a few years back and they had a couple of plastic chairs. Now in my memory, I can see them on the top of the mountain being buffeted by the winds and the weather and everything, you know, mm. because the actors were doing the job, as you say, the empty space. And that's mm. why I love to see actors just create the world from within their own, uh, you know, their own unique imagination. You mm. know, this, again, it's that, that that aspect of consciousness, that the yeah. more you look at consciousness and the more in w- which you realise that consciousness you know, it creates the metaphysical substructure of reality by its belief in it, Mm. the more the actors plug into that all the time.
1: Yeah. No, you're right. And there is that thing of basically we are taking the piss out of each other. I know that I'm acting. You know that I'm acting. Let's pretend. You've got that lovely thing. The, the, The Woman in Black. Now, there's a play which it's got three performers in, one of whom doesn't speak, and minimalistic setting. It's a beautiful set that you go into, but it's so minimal. So when you've got two people on a horse and cart, they are literally just sat next to each other on an old tea chest, bouncing side to side yeah. with a soundtrack. And it works. The audience aren't thick. The audience will accept that. And with that one, the audience love those little trigger moments, of course, mm. when the woman in black is suddenly there, woof, in front of you. Those sort of things, so skillfully done. Absolutely right. But you're right. I mean, with that one, you're watching a ghost story. So if you apply logic, it's nonsense anyway. And you're watching two people bouncing side to side with a CD playing. That's all that you've got. But but you can just take that in and it transports you completely without that worry about what's it going to do to the audience. If if you're going to go to theatre, if you go to a theatre production and you leave feeling nothing, then yeah. it's not done its job. And it should yeah. never do that. It should it might infuriate you, offend you, insult you. Doesn't matter. Good.
0: It should. Yeah. It, it should. should. You should it be challenged. Should. I don't know who ever thought it was a good idea for for us not to be challenged. Not to have mm. our views challenged, whatever it may be. I mean, you know, speaking personally, the amount of things I've done complete uh, you know. I hesitate to use the word 360 because that means you're back where you started. Mm. But the amount of things that I've done a complete reversal on over the years because theatre's challenged me or I've Mm. seen a film or read a book or heard someone speak. And it's like, Mm. it's uncomfortable a lot of the time. You know, I remember sort of, because there's the whole process I had to go through with not so much a deprogramming as such from Catholicism and stuff like that. But there was certain imagery that I found uncomfortable. You know, Ken Russell, for example, Mm. Um, you know, uh, is it The the Old Devils? Uh, the Devils. Thank you, The Devils. Oh, now yeah. that I found so visceral, that production. Is it mid-80s BBC? Um, no,
1: no, The Devils is um, a film. It's uh, 1970, 71.
0: What's, what's the one I'm thinking of then? Uh, John Stride's in it.
1: It's one it, of the ghost stories for Christmas. No, this House? is a no?
0: series that was on. It was a, um, it was an Amos novel. Oh, I don't know. Anyway, the imagery yeah. was such; it was very red, and it was very mm. visceral, and it was all this other thing, and and I found it uncom- uh, uncomfortable. but that that th- via art and via theatre and via performance, I was able to feel uncomfortable and in- enabled me to go through the barrier and to emerge mm. and then to sort of be okay with utilizing that sort of imagery um and that kind of journey in my own thing it's it's weird because and i find that myself all the time especially writing song lyrics which is my current preoccupation there's a sort of thing i know i want to write a certain line and it. i know it means something to me i really know it means something to me mm. um and i find myself stopping myself and that's Thanks to seeing things like that, uh, and and having paradigms confronted. Thanks to that, I will push on, you know. Yeah. And so it doesn't just have utility in confronting your own phobias; it sort of also enriches your vocabulary if you're an artist to see people willing to do that. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm even making any sense, but you got me enthusiastic there, and you reminded me. No, no, I I,
1: I absolutely think that. I mean. The audience if they're if they're challenged, you're right, by uncompromising images. Mm. If you see that, then you're gonna think hopefully what you're gonna think is, Well, could I? How could I do that? Could that that mm. sort of thing. Except from an artist's point of view, if you're just a member of audience going along, then I imagine that you are gonna see something which you you know, if it's just that little moment that you don't forget. So when I says, Did you did you see that production of Hamlet and you go, Oh, where that happened, mm. that one little unique moment that drags the audience in through the visceral quality
0: of what they're seeing, then, yeah, that's special. That's really yeah, it's important. That it's, it's that conviction. It's that conviction in what you were doing. Um, and you can be literally on an empty stage to go back to Brooke. You can be yes. on an empty stage. And, and just, like, an adornment on your clothing can paint an entire picture you know that's why it's so important to to choose very wisely in what you're presenting to your audience because conviction enables them to go on the journey with you and that Mm. journey for an actor when i'm doing it that's the bit i love i just Mm. love the and it's like it's weird when you see performances that you do and it's like wow i don't do that that's not mm. the way I walk or that's not the way I do that. You know, and you notice uh, you've picked up mannerisms because you've picked up the emotion of the character and mm. you've lived that little bit of a journey with them. And you know, that face you pull might be due to the sort of stirring in the face, some unpleasant memory or some pleasant memory or whatever it may be. And and it's kind of that mirroring behavior that actors exhibit that if it's convincing enough. You take people on it when, when it's people just, like you say, just doing things for the sake of them. You you never mm-hmm. ever walk across the room for the sake of it. Never. And it's, no. you know what I mean? I'm a lazy bastard, so I never do. But nobody no. does. It's because no. it's like, I need to turn the light on. I need to get a drink. I need to pick a newspaper. Whatever it may be, there's that thought process, which immediately shows on your face, there's that that sort of... um well, it's that Shakespeare line that I, I only yesterday, you know, it hath been taught from, ah, oh, I can't remember the word. It hath been taught, from, it's Antony and Cleopatra, Caesar says it. It hath been taught from whenever that he which is were wished before he was or something like that, you know. Um, and it is all about thought process, absolutely all the time. And therefore, your own paradigms, your own thought processes need to be challenged when you walk in there I'd be upset if I walked in there and they weren't well they have to be they yeah. have to be
1: otherwise you' you're cheating the audience because you're not giving them you're not giving them a full person you're not giving them a rounded character who they can believe in if you're just sort of like shouting in the evening there's nothing mm. to latch on to you're just enjoying the spectacle of, of people roaring if the actor actually bothers to find the person the real person yeah. and give them life
0: go God, yeah, that's, that's the operative phrase. When that Find the person, yeah. that's Find it. The they,
1: if you just take Brooke and you take Uta Hagen and you put those two together, you're not going to go far wrong, really. From no, for there's a great book I'm theater.
0: sure you've read, Anthony Sher, The Year of the King, Return, Magnificent, absolutely Magnificent. incredible. The way he goes on yeah. in that about uh, finding him looking for Richard, mm. uh, Year of the King, um. So um, we've we've talked very poncy actor things for quite some time now. Yeah, um, have, haven't we? Uh, yeah, I suppose it's time to mention Doctor Who. No, only kidding. Um, I think uh, uh, you you were requesting musical accompaniment today. Dear well, nice yeah, boy. And nice things. That, what nice things? things. Have you yeah, had this this week? Is, well,
1: I mean, you know, not that we're going to talk about the program. Point this out last week. I got a single of the um, the Johnston singing Streets of London by oh, Ralph McTell very pleasant. Uh, they're a fascinating little band. Just this um, Irish, I think they were West Irish um, folk group made up of two sisters and a brother and a couple of other people. Um, and they they wrote some gorgeous music. And I didn't realise as a child I was listening to all this stuff. Um, and it's all really quite on the side of the IRA. Now, I used to love singing along to it, but uh, my grandad didn't stop me at all. Um, but I got that um, just beautiful version. I mean, Streets of London's a bit Oh, dreadful. But this version, oh, it's like the theme tune from the main chant. It's got a harpsichord in it, as well as all the folk stuff and the harmonies. Beautiful. Do you like Celeste? I do. I do. Good. Beautiful. However, uh, I also got this. Now then. Oh, no. no, I know it is a it's a Doctor Who thing. It's an LP. No, David um, Tennant. is just yeah. I know. I know. Anyway, this was released for Record Store Day, um, okay. which I every year with Record Store Day, I think I'll join in. I'll be outside. I'll queue up at half past seven in the morning. And the next, the day before, I go absolutely not. No. I'm not going to do that. No, I don't see why I should. No, no, I no. I use no, no. record shops. That's enough. Um, and anyway, everything that. Everything comes up on Amazon within a few well, weeks or Well, we live in a world
0: of abundance, dear boy.
1: There we are. So I picked this up. Um, and apparently it's very good, which is where in the lights the problem. Because uh, it's David Tennant reading a story. And apparently the audio work of it, it's quite creepy. Uh, and as an audio piece, it's brilliant. So somebody said on Twitter. And so I went, all right, yeah, fair enough. And then somebody else on Twitter went, have you not listened to that? You've really got to listen to that. And at that point, I went, absolutely not. I'm not doing it now. Two of you have told me to. So I'm going to put it on the shelf and then at some point I'll listen to
0: it in the future. But right now, no, absolutely not. I absolutely love your petulance. I really, really enjoy it. It's like, you know, a beautiful meal's laid in front of you. A couple of people tell you to eat it.
1: No. No, no, that's the thing. No, I will. Of course I will.
0: I will listen to Dead Air. I'll eat the meal. But don't tell me to. No, No, absolutely not. If you tell me to, I'm not doing it. I saw one of the greatest movies I have seen in many years at the weekend, speaking of nice things. It is okay. absolutely fabulous. I recommend you watch it. I recommend everyone watches it. It's f- okay. brilliant. You ready? What is it? Beavis and Butthead do the universe. It is wonderful. It is. I thought it was going to be a pale imitation of the old series. It is fantastic. Really? It is fantastic. Oh, you should watch it. Have you not seen the section on white privilege that's doing the rounds where they end up in the college? No. Brilliant. Absolutely I, brilliant.
1: You see, this is the this is the thing. I mean, the the original movie when they first had the series, out, I think Beavis and Butthead Do America.
0: Not very good.
1: Uh, no, but I've got it. I did. Yeah, it I've really got
0: is. it. It's not that. Ve- this is superb. It's really, absol- it's really good. It's really Ooh. good because I put it on. I, I remember when Do America came out, we actually went to mm. the cinema, uh, me and my friend P, who I know is a listener, and we went to the cinema. And so we are in the cinema, like there's always me and him right at the front. And there's like a couple of kids right at the back <laughs> with the dads and me and Peter at the front smoking joints right in the <laughs> cinema. It was the nineties. Mm. Um, and we made sure there was adequate ventilation. Um, mm. and, and we watched it then. So of course it was, we're pissing our pants. Right. Mm. And I got it on DVD and it ain't very good. Uh, it is, it isn't shit, but it ain't very good. So I, th- I thought, right, well, in 24 years, 25 years, whatever it is, mm. it's only going to be more diluted and more, you know what I mean? It's brilliant. Yeah. It's really, really, really good. Really good. Really, really good. I, I can't recommend it enough i so enjoyed it as the American right you're, you're putting
1: me off now because you're over recommending it right i was i was ready to give it a go well
0: i know there's not a chance in hell of you seeing it so it doesn't No, matter. i
1: might say well what's it on is it going to be late night bbc 2 presentation no part of movie drone No, i shall no? send it you dear if you want to see it oh yes okay but no, i'd like that and i'll watch i will actually watch that probably it's, I, I
0: might I've, do. I've not laughed that much at something in ages Really? Yeah, really. I, I mean, all right. I, I'm so surprised. It's not often you're surprised like that, though, is there? You kind no. of watch these things out of, a, you know, um, not nostalgia. Yeah, you watch them out of a kind of, oh well, you know, it was good. And I thought i will put it on for ten minutes. Yeah. No, yeah. it's it's really good. It's really good. Mike Judge, Mike Judge has knocked mm. it out of the park. Obligation was the word I was going to use. Right. You watch these things out of a sort of obligation and. Wow, it's yeah, it's amazing okay. that people can still make decent things. And I tell you what, if you're talking offence, there's something in there for everyone.
1: Lovely, as of there offense. should be. Uh, there should be something in there that I don't like.
0: It's just the the, the thickness of them still is mm. just brilliant. You know what I mean? It's like they're being told this thing and they're gonna die, and it's like, you know, <laughs> ass or something like that. You know, they've just heard that word. <laughs> and, that, and that still works for me that, that one of the best episodes ever i don't know if you remember it is they get a te- they've got a phone and they're going through a phone book and you know one of the uh aspects of their character they can't read mm. right so they're uh, 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 looking through this phone book for who to wo- uh, ring up and there's one guy in there called harry Sachs, and it's like uh, Harry Sax. <laughs> <laughs> the the hairy Sax episode It's just because they just keep bringing him up and flushing the bog. And that's it. That's it. And all you can hear is that he's on the other end of the phone. He's all he can hear is the toilet flushing, and uh, uh, <laughs> it's just it, it should not amuse me. It, it no. just shouldn't. It is everything that's wrong with the world. But bloody hell, I'm I'm. Totally there. I'm still okay. there. It's my I will I will watch wonderful. this. So that's that's the best yeah. nice thing of the week. Um However, got, you've got a nice thing as I well. As you've bought a nice thing. I got this, oh. uh, which is a Harley Benton uh progressive line. It's a, obviously I'm left-handed, so it's a, it's a lefty, but oh it's not quite in shape, but it is really, really <coughs> It's really good. It's really nice, um, and it's got active pickups. I've already used it on a recording. I'm delighted with that. It's uh, it's um, a kind of clone of the ESP take on the Les Paul guitar, um, and 170 pounds delivered. That, that, that's why I just it's it's going to be shit. All the reviews of it are amazing, but 170 quid for a brand new guitar delivered, really, that's well worth something. it. It took four weeks to get here. They they all come from Germany, yeah? Oh, yeah. So uh, I think it's Thoman or Thoman. I don't know how you say the name Mm -hmm. of the company. But if there are any people out there, particularly if they're southpaws like me, get yourself a Harley Benton progressive line. They're really good. Yeah, they're really good. I'm pleased with that. Excellent. Yes. How
1: about the incredibly expensive microphone? Have we uh, f-
0: right? Well, we're friends, on that yes? right now. Um, as you can yeah, see, yeah. Uh, it's very small. You don't get much for your four hundred and seventy-four quid. I have over there. I have my. So I want a vocal booth, right? Right. Um, in order to got a couple of projects coming up, uh, which so I can justify the expense on the microphone as it's if it's gonna if it's gonna work it's gonna work great. So I bought um, a. Quilt, a king size quilt from okay. uh, Morrison's. I've got myself a packet of bulldog clips and I've got some hooks to put into the ceiling. So the idea is I put four hooks in the ceiling, bulldog uh-huh. clips on the quilt, hang the quilt on the hooks, quilt descends down. I stand within the quilt, at the vocal booth. Yes. Right? Because I don't have room. I've got bigger rooms in this house that are empty, uh, mm-hmm. but I like this little room to work in. I don't know what it is. I just, it, it works for me. You know hmm. what I mean? Um, I often find that when you've got space to work in, like you know, a big bloody empty room to your left or something like that, it doesn't really—it's not conducive to creativity.
1: No, it isn't, is it? You need—you need to have that feeling that you are slightly locked in. It gives you yeah. a bit of a siege mentality. I yeah, think.
0: yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah,
1: something like that. It's, I've got to do this. It's me yes. against the rest of them. There's a yeah. bit of that going on. You feel
0: compelled yeah. to do it then. So yeah. I could build a vocal booth in the other room, though, know, yeah. and, and move all my gear in there, but I don't want to. Um, mm. So this idea of hanging a quilt from the... So we'll find out. I'm going to try that later on. I'm going to give the mic a good, a decent run for its money. Um, mm. But I recorded... I, I, I spent all of Saturday, because um, last week the Beckstein went on its back, um, and I did this trick. So there's a couple of slipping pins on it, um, yeah. So when you're tuning it, you get the hammer on it, and it's just like, wow wham, because the pins are slipping. So mm. this is something which afflicts really well-looked-after pianos because they've been tuned a lot, and so the pin board gets worn. Um, right. So anyway, I did this trick that the Americans use, um, which is getting very, very thin superglue. Well, mm. yes, shoot it. Sounds all right now, eh? Um, <laughs> so it put, goes on its back. Uh, around the pins, you use this very thin – came from California – uh, very thin super superglue. Um, and what it does is that it reacts with the cellulose and makes it expand the cellulose mm. in the wood. Um, so, chucked it on its back. Again, Pete. Thank you, Pete. Uh, upright, again, uh, tuned the few keys that were slipping, holding just fine. So, I spent Saturday setting up a record to record the Beckstein, And um, this didn't even do I don't think it did as good a job as my road microphone. Really? Which, yeah, yeah. It's weird. It's kinda this is kind of brittle, if you know what I mean.
1: No, I, I do. It's a it's a strange thing, isn't it? I and mean, you can get some I've got I mean I've got this lovely old bugger here, it looks a bit dirty. Um which is a Yeti microphone, yep. Yeti blue. And I, and I got that thinking, okay, this'll do the trick. And it picks up everything. Yeah. But literally everything. My breathing becomes exaggerated. Yeah. If a car drives past outside, you've got the rumble of that. I mean, you need a dead space for that thing to work, probably. Little road, Mike. Lovely, no problem. Well,
0: that's right. Yeah, I mean, the, so I've got a Road NT one thousand, which I've had for years, and it, it's mm. just you know, it just seems to do the job. Anyway, we'll find out. I've got till Thursday to take it back. Um, but yeah, I'm not, <coughs> I'm not too overly impressed with it, dear boy. Oh, okay, I have to so say. Anyway, you requested musical accompaniment. Yeah, you've got. Have you you've got an acoustic there? So I have my trusty Guild, my solid Get your mahogany, Guild out, dear. Lovely, my solid right. Mahogany piece. So
1: just, uh, and this is. I, I listened to something the other day. Um, it was on Radio Four. It was on PM. It was just this little discussion for five minutes, and it got me thinking about something I'd never really thought about. So, if, just for myself and the boys and girls at home, yeah. give us a give us a major chord, a lovely major. <laughs> we are. That's a D. Give us a D minor. Now, the first one's happy, yeah? Yes. Second
0: one's sad. Yes. Why? It's all to do with the diminishment, isn't it? Go on. Now, you need Andy Frizzell here, because he's a professor of music, so he understands Mm. all this stuff. Um, But it's all to do with the diminishing of the major tonic. Right. Now, Now, here's
1: the thing, though. Here's the thing. Isn't it also to do with the fact that you've been taught from a very early age, that one's happy, that one's sad. Nursery rhymes, for example. Nursery rhymes are all in a major key. So we have that association when we're we're kids with nursery mm. rhymes and things like that. And it, on this uh, thing, I can't remember the lady's name, Professor of Something or Other. Are we done um, with this? Yes, we're done with that. Yeah. And, and she was saying that the most interesting thing is you can go to people from other places in the world. And of course, they have a totally different hmm. structure of music. They, they even have different scales and all sorts of things. Yeah, it's yeah. so different. And she said, they do not have the same association. A minor key is not a sad key, and the major key is not a happy key. And so I think it was Evan Davis who put it to us. So is it possible that we might find people who are musicians, but it's almost flipped? And to them, when they hear the minor key, that's associated with happy. The major associated with sad. She said, well, yes, <laughs> and that's the strange thing. We can't explain it. It's fascinating, I just It thought, is fascinating. And where I get it comes that line from. of
0: reasoning. But, I mean, you remember every time we say goodbye... Mm. Ella Fitzgerald oh yes so as the key goes from major to minor right mm. and that's a description of, of love love fading yes. Um but minor to minor is mm. quite good uh, one thing I found it yesterday and put it on my thing so I did a version of Norwegian Wood that I'd forgotten about yeah, yeah. I, was, I was ill when I did it um, mm. so which is it's major yeah a bit out tune that's all majors. Yeah. Now the chorus goes to minor and it's absolutely yeah. gorgeous how it does it. So you've got the, you know, I once had a girl, she once had me, but mm-hmm. then it goes to minor and it's beautiful. She told me to stay and she asked me to sit anyway. Oh, yeah. So it, it, that's the wrong bit, but it goes to D minor. By the way, there's a kappa on. So mm. when I say, when I'm playing a D minor, I'm playing an E minor. It goes from mm. D minor to F minor and I go, it doesn't make me sad. So it's like I'll just play you the sequence. So it's uh, that
1: and then, progression,
0: that that, that progression just that change st- stunning. It's lovely. It's a little out of tune to put the capo on. Mm. So um,
1: it's no, it just it's just something that really fascinated me to well, sort of hear it. S- think- have you
0: seen that project that I think it's called the Rainbow Project or something like that? I, no, I've got that wrong. Okay, it, so what they've done is. So Riders on the Storm for example mm. is um, is all in minor and they've run it through software and changed it all to major and it's called Rainbow is- on the Storm that's why I'm getting confused. Have you right. not heard that? No, I've not. It's no. a completely different song. Mm. And they've just changed the A minor to the A major in it. And they've done it yeah. with a number of songs. You know, so if you if you look up Rainbow on the Storm, um you'll find a number of other things that they've done. It's absolutely as you say the whole emotional reaction to the piece and that's what music totally should different. have like theater it yeah. should have an emotional emotional response um it's completely transformed it's wonderful what they've done
1: but i think also the other thing that it should do sorry rides on the rainbow right the other thing that it should do of course is it i think in a way the magic the magic of it is this piece of music makes me feel like this that's a beautiful chord progression but somebody who doesn't understand music should would just enjoy that change, that shift in emotion, as you yeah. should in theatre. You enjoy those moments, which is why we don't want to, them analysing, even even sort of like briefly on a poster, that analysis, oh, that breakdown. In the same way as with music, I always think if you want to ruin a piece of music, and I, I think of this from doing A-level music and having to um, deconstruct Schubert song cycles... Mm it instantly takes the joy out of it because totally just breaking it's it down subjective. destroys it.
0: It yeah. should be subjective. It's like mm. um, explaining lyrics. To what they mm. mean. See, now, I can think of songs, right? And those, like I said to you before, when I'm writing lyrics and I sort of... I, I find resistance within myself to write a certain thing because I think I'm letting people in on mm. my experience, if you like. It's kind of like, I, oh, God, I'm making me... This is the operative phrase. I'm making myself vulnerable by being too yes. honest. However, mm. because we're all different, we if if we've got the emotional pitch correct, that lyric can be connected to the unique experience of the listener. Mm. Or that line or that delivery, it's like, oh, they're on about me. How do they know mm. that about me? Well, oh, I that don't. Pause. Yeah. Oh, that Whatever pause. you're playing with. You, you yeah. know the palette's rich, isn't it? Mm. And oh God, no analysis, no. Don't like, don't like. No, I've been involved in a few music documentaries, and it's just like you know, the money's great, but it's kind of like I don't watch these things. I don't see. No. I love it if it's biographical and it's about mm. someone and their life and stuff like that. But you know, these classic album shows and stuff like that, I'm not asked. No. I'm not asked. I love that. I love to know about. So there's a great documentary about Dennis Wilson, or not Dennis Maine Wilson, which they should oh. make one. Um, But Dennis Wilson of The Beach Boys, great documentary that the BBC, when BBC4 were actually doing great work. um, And it was just showing you about the decline in his life and they were comparing recordings made only 18 months apart and the, the way his voice had been destroyed by, you know, his lifestyle and stuff like that. That's interesting. What he's singing about, well, not so much because I've bridled that to my own life experience and I've extracted the meaning from it. Mm. And that's what we do with these things isn't it? it it's so wonderful that we are able if we are gifted with that ability to be able to externalize our experience and package it in an accessible way by an audience then they take it and go thank you it's mine now mm. and that's the joy of it when someone else takes ownership of it and that's the lovely thing you know you're a very experienced director so me not so much but you're there like that, and you kind of, you know, you kind of, uh, you plant the seed, you fertilize, you know, and then it's like there's that moment, isn't there, which, you know, you'll know very well, whereby you like the parent who takes the hand off the bicycle and the child cycles away without the stable and it's off you go.
1: Yep. Now it's and yours. And it becomes theirs. Yeah, it's yeah. absolutely theirs. It's that moment when about half an hour before curtain goes up, isn't it? And you go, oh, I'm I'm not needed anymore. It happens earlier in the just... rehearsal
0: room, though, as well. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, there's yeah, times yeah. when you're just like, this is fantastic. It's almost <coughs> like you sort of... The machine has momentum. Mm. And 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 I suppose for the first time, and this is preparation for not noticing the audience, the actors have not noticed you're there. No. Nor should they.
1: It's no. theirs. No, no, Like with course, Shakespeare. Right. That, yeah. that whole thing with Shakespeare. Shakespeare... One of the first things that you have to do working with young people, teaching them Shakespeare, is convince them that the words aren't that important. And I always say to them, I use that same thing, I say It's like a piece of music. But if get I them wrong and I'll shout it. Well, yeah, and I will <laughs> do, absolutely. But with a piece of music, you know, if I deconstruct that piece of music to find out, well, why does this particular Miles Davis track make me feel like that? How can I deconstruct and understand? I've just broken Miles Davis. And you can do that with Shakespeare. I need to understand every word. No, you don't. You no. need to just know what the emotion is and say the words and play the punctuation. The audience will
0: get the rest, so long as you think it. The audience will get it. Well, it's what it's ultimately like music. killed Hancock, isn't it? I mean, Hancock... Mm. What he said to Sid was, I've took it all apart and I can't put it back together. Mm. You know, and and that's, what he he was so analytical of what he did. Sorry, no, it just is. Mm. Accept it. You know, Ken Dodd does this lovely bit about when he's on stage, you know, and he'll ad lib and uh, he's got a little guy there at the side who he just looks at, who writes it down. Potentially, yeah. it was his wife, Anne, I'm not certain, but I can't remember. He's got a guy there, he looks across, he's like, that was brilliant, please write it down. Um, and he says, when that happens, you just look up and you go, Well, oh, thank you. Yeah. You know, then that's it. And and that's that's the whole point being made in Hamlet in the gravedigger scene. That's the whole point, you know, Shakespeare being such a genius. He's got the skull, and it's like, where does this live? Where mm. does where do the jokes come from? Mm. Is it this miracle of human nature, the human brain, or is it some other entity that we tap into? Mm. You no, know, were be your jibes now? Were mm. <laughs> yeah? Know, have they died? Have they rotted? Have they gone? Mm. Or was it something else out there? Mm.
1: Yorick, know? of course, beautifully played by Ken Dodd in Kenneth Brown's version. There you go. You see
0: it, it. all makes sense in the end.
1: Not a line. Not a line, but God, I remember Kit. Ke- I remember Doddy in that. Yeah, he's was brilliant. Ken that's the Branner one, isn't it? That's the Branner version. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and that's there right. he is being brilliant. Bless. Him. Isn't
0: Tim Spall in that? Isn't he Rosenkrantz? Uh,
1: oh, Michael Keaton? No? Oh, I don't know. I can't remember. I it was Tim so Spall- full of spectacle that I
0: couldn't take it in. Well, he wanted to become Olivier, didn't he? He had that very definite ambition to be Olivier. Mm. And to sort of, you know, Olivier did Hamlet, didn't he? And what was it, oh, Forty? Yes. 38? Something like that, yeah. Something along those lines. Um, you know, two different actors you couldn't meet. But that's that's the love of it, isn't it? You can love an actor who comes from that school of performance and that actor who comes from that school of performance.
1: Absolutely.
0: You know? You absolutely can,
1: Yeah. Put them you know. together, or oh, s- magic happens, dear. Magic. And it is magic.
0: And stop yeah. stop ruining it for us all. Yes,
1: stop ruining it with your balloons. I shall bang behind you.
0: Well, you look like a man in need of his afternoon nap,
1: dear. Tired. Yeah, a L- little bit sleepy now. I've been. Uh, I
0: think that's enough. Been a bit yes, cross there that's about enough. nonsense, but that's enough. Yes. Well, we've resolved it. And Ooh. I like to think. That during the course of this conversation, I've certainly found a path back to beauty. What is the Wordsworth line? Beauty reminds us of what we've lost. That's rather beautiful. Mm, Well, he was a clever man, wasn't he?
1: I also like to think of Shakespeare, who at the end of Midsummer Night's Dream had someone stand there and go, if we shadows have offended, think on this and all is mended. But you did but slumber here. It's just a dream. Forget it. Don't be writing in so, Oh, I was triggered by Puck. You don't need to do that. It was just, we were pretending. Grow yeah. up. Yeah. Mm.
0: As Billick said, life is a dream. What is it? Life is a dream. Death is an illusion. And we are all the ma- imagination of ourselves. I quite like that. Yeah. Oh, wonderful! And on that note, we hope you all have a wonderful week at home, filled with imaginative fun and frolics. And if you are offended, well, go fuck yourself. Um, And until the next time, goodbye, bye bye.
1: thing. <laughs>